0: Welcome to A Word with Dr. Shirley, a podcast for faith, inspiration, and empowerment. A Word with Dr. Shirley starts now. Greetings, everyone. Welcome to A Word with Dr. Shirley, and thanks for tuning in today. My name is Dr. Shirley, and I am a wife, mother, nurse, author, speaker, entrepreneur, woman's ministry leader, but most importantly, a servant of God. And I'm so excited to be with you today as I speak briefly from the topic, CIS go forth and make history. And so before we can really go into this topic, I wanna briefly take a moment to define the word legacy. And so legacy has been defined as the long lasting impact of particular events, actions, that took place in the past or of a person's life. A legacy may be of one's faith, ethics, or core values. Legacy can come from one's character, reputation, or the life that you lead. Setting an example for others and being a guide for their future. So in summary, the Bible characters that I'm gonna discuss today left a lasting impact that we can draw from centuries later due to their faith, their actions, their character, and their reputation. And so our main scripture today comes from Esther chapter 4, verse 14b. And it reads, And who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. And so our first Bible character today that we're going to discuss is Esther. So in the biblical book, named After Her, Esther is a young Jewish woman living in the Persian diaspora who finds favor with the king. She becomes queen and risks her life to save the Jewish people from destruction when the court official Haman persuades the king to authorize a genocide against all of the Jews. Esther immediately calls upon all of the Jews to join her on a three-day fast. Her plan was to build up her confidence and strength through this fast to confront the king and beg for mercy for her people. The whole nation rallied behind her in prayer and God indeed answered their prayers. To this very day, Jews observe the fast of Esther on the day before Purim, which is a Jewish holiday that commemorates the saving of the Jewish people from annihilation. Purim was actually just celebrated March 6th through the 7th and is known to be one of their most joyous holiday celebrations amongst the Jews. Esther's birth name was Hadassah. She was of the tribe of Benjamin and lived during the time Israel was exiled. Tragically, Hadassah was orphaned at an early age. After her parents had died, she was adopted by her cousin, Mordecai. This is quite fortunate for Hadassah because Mordecai was a God-fearing man who loved her dearly and raised her to walk in the fear of God and to submit to the will of God. Few character traits about Esther that we find throughout scripture is that she was selfish, selfless. (laughs) She was selfless. She was humble. She was brave and courageous. She was obedient. She was wise. She heeded counsel. She was a woman of character and integrity. She was highly favored by God and men. The book of Esther opens with what I like to call a plot twist. In chapter one, we find Queen Vashti is deposed and replaced by Esther because of her rebellion and disobedience to the king. Vashti represents all the people who God is about to position you, my friend, to replace because of their lack of obedience to him. These people may be in your bloodline, church, inner circle, or job or community. God is seeking women. And sis, I'm talking to you. Women that are humble, obedient, and willing to submit to his will. No one will even be considered for the task of carrying out greatness on God's behalf without those character traits in place. I know that the world is promoting rebellion, disobedience, pride, and this false sense of independence or this false idea of independence among women, but I want you to know this. That is a recipe for disaster in the kingdom of God. Anyone who will not conform to his will, like Vashti, will be deposed, period. To put this into context, Esther was a God-fearing Jewish woman who found herself living in a pagan society, yet never compromising her morals or her faith. Now, this is important because like Esther, we are in the world but not of it we may come from households or lineage of non-believers and really in every setting whether corporate or spiritual like your local church there's going to be a line of demarcation between those who believe god and yield to his word and those who don't the question is which side of the fence will you find yourself on And to answer this question, and the answer to this question will determine what side of history you land on. See, because it's either we're going to make history like Esther or become history like Vashti. Esther is a reminder that where you started does not dictate or has no bearing on where you're going. She started her journey as an orphan, but ended up as a queen. She began her journey as one perhaps who had endured rejection from her childhood peers or society because of her socioeconomic status, but then ended the journey as one with elite status celebrated by nations. She began her journey as a single, seemingly insignificant maiden or single woman, but ended up a married woman who would influence generations of women after her. Sis, God is changing your story for his glory. You will not look like what you've been through and you will testify. Look what the Lord has done. If you stick with God long enough along your life's journey, you will see his goodness in the land of the living. As the psalmist reminds us in Psalm 27, verse 13. Esther had no clue what God had in store for her, but she embraced change. And I believe this is pivotal for us to get where God wants to take us. We cannot try to control the narrative. Unlike Vashti, who rebelled against the king because she did not like that he switched things up on her, so to speak. God is God. He can do what he wants. When he wants and does not have to check in with us about it. This was the message that the king wanted to send to Vashti. And I believe to some extent God wants to speak to us today. You cannot be an agent of change and not be willing to change or for things to change. Change is inevitable. And it is the catalyst to every major move of God. The Israelites spent 40 years wandering in the same spot, never obtaining the promise land because they refused to embrace change. They constantly murmured about preferring to go back to Egypt. In general, as humans, We like what is comfortable and familiar. The disciples had to change their occupation from fishermen to become fishers and men. Abraham had to leave Haran before he received his blessing and calling to be the father of many nations. Ruth had to leave Moab and go to Bethlehem to meet the man that she would make Bible history with and join the lineage of Christ. And this leads me to my next Bible character today, Ruth. Now, the Moabites were longtime enemies and oppressors of Israel and cursed by God. A pagan nation descended from the incestuous relationship of Lot and his eldest daughter. They worship false gods and practice child sacrifice. And we can surmise that. This is not the kind of place that you would want to raise your family. Yet, this is the place that God chose to weave the story of a young Moabite girl into the story of his son, Jesus. The book of Ruth begins with Naomi and her Moabite daughter-in-law, Ruth, returning to Naomi's home of Bethlehem in Judah after having lived in Moab for some years. Naomi returns home destitute she's lost everything, her husband, her sons, and her wealth. While her daughter-in-law could have stayed in her homeland, she decides to follow along with Naomi to Bethlehem. As widows with no one to provide for them, they are suddenly plunged into a life of poverty. In trying to glean food from any field she could find to provide for herself in Naomi Ruth stumbles on the field of Boaz and the Bible tells us in Ruth chapter 2 verse 1 to 3 that Boaz was a rich and important man who lived in Bethlehem he was from the family of Naomi's husband Elimelech One day, Ruth, the woman from Moab, said to Naomi, Let me go to the fields to pick up some grain from the harvest. I will walk behind anyone who lets me do that. Naomi said, Yes, my daughter, go and do that. So Ruth went to the fields. She began to pick up the grains of barley that the men dropped on the ground. It happened that she was in part of a field that belonged to Boaz. Boaz replied, in Ruth chapter two, verses 11 to 12. People have told me all about you. When your husband died, you helped Naomi very much. You chose to leave your father, your mother, and your country. You came here to live with people who are strangers to you. You have done many good things, so I pray that the Lord will do good things for you in return. You have come here to be safe with the Lord who is Israel's God. I pray that he will bless you. So not only does Boaz point to Christ, but Christ is actually descended from Boaz and Ruth. A descendant, rather, of Boaz and Ruth. In the very last verse of the book of Ruth, it says that Ruth and Boaz's son Obed father of Jesse, and Jesse's son was David. Jesus being a direct descendant of David, according to Matthew 1.1, 1, 1, is therefore a direct descendant of Ruth and Boaz, which we'll find them included in Jesus' genealogy listed in Matthew chapter one. And so how incredible is this? The promised Messiah, the savior of the world, is descended from this unlikely couple. They were brought together by God's sovereign plan to accomplish his divine will. God foreknew this plan involving Ruth and Boaz before the creation of the world. And in the same way, sis, God knows the plans he has for you. Maybe you represent Ruth in the story as someone who, although endured great loss, You have selflessly served others with no intent to be celebrated or rewarded. But I've come to remind you that you will be celebrated for your service unto God. Your sacrifices or labor for the kingdom of God was not in vain. God will see to it that you reap double for your trouble. Ruth showed up on the field of Boaz to gather some food for her and Naomi to survive. Yet she ended up leaving with a whole husband who was wealthy and an ancestor of Jesus. My God, can this story really get any better? Or maybe you represent Naomi who in this story experienced great grief, sorrow, and loss, probably just counting her days, looking forward to settling her life as a grieving widow. But God turned it all the way around by allowing her daughter-in-law to become a source of great joy, healing, deliverance, and blessing to her. Naomi made it into the history books of the Bible because of her obedience to the prompting of God to coach Ruth on how to get Boaz's attention. This story ends with Ruth being rewarded and Naomi being restored. And so if we was to do a comparison of how it started versus how it ended for particularly Naomi, it started in Ruth chapter one with Naomi saying, don't call me Naomi, call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. So that's how it started. How did it end? In Ruth chapter four, the woman said to Naomi, praise be to the Lord who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in old age for your daughter-in-law who loves you And who is better to you than seven sons has given him birth? Then Naomi took the child in her arm and cared for him. Obed the father of Jesse and Jesse the father of David. It says in verse 22. So this is how it ends for Naomi. Now maybe you went into a previous season full of life energy resources money vision a sense of purpose vitality strength courage faith friend the family married or in a relationship but now you find yourself in this season with an empty bank account broken heart limited resources and little to no support And wondering why so much loss and possibly battling with depression or even bitterness. I want to encourage you, sis, to know that this place of emptiness is only a prerequisite. For the season of plenty coming your way. You will be fruitful and multiply. Barrenness or lack is not your portion. God has a plan to restore you. If you just hold on. God didn't just give Naomi what she lost which was a son and a husband. He allowed her to participate in the story that would usher in the Son of God who would bridge the gap between God as the husband to his people known as the bride of Christ. And so, Esther, Naomi, and Ruth walked into a new season with new names, new address, new family, new status, new income brackets, new everything. God literally made everything new. Revelation 21.5, he who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. And I want you to hear this in your spirit, hear this with your spiritual ears. God is saying to you, I am making everything new. Receive that in faith. And so for all of the characters that I just mentioned, although it wasn't their intention to make history, they ultimately did. Because they allowed God to write their story. And so we can say they all had divine appointments. And so this idea of a divine appointment reminds us that it's never about us, right? And so the appointed service of God, it's always about the appointed service of God and the way in which he wants to use us. Ruth's decision to stick with Naomi against all the odds landed her in the field of Boaz. was not just to display her loyalty, but it was to position her to marry into the bloodline of Jesus. Esther's place on the throne was not just to make her a queen, but rather to give her an opportunity, a platform to intercede for God's people. And ultimately save a nation the king didn't even know that when he was picking a bride he was picking an agent of deliverance in Esther who essentially was a prototype of Christ whatever God is calling you to my friend is bigger than you and it's also bigger than you think God almost never gives us all the details up front to keep us humble and in a posture to rely on him. So sis, go forth and make history. Do what God is calling you to do. Go where he's calling you to go. Say what he's prompting you to say. Build what he has instructed you to build. Make history by remembering it's his story. Make history by remembering that it's his story. So the key to making history is allowing God to write your story. Being willing to stick with him through the ebbs and the flows, the ups and the downs of life. A theme that we consistently see throughout Bible history is that obedience paves the road of promotion. Every faithful step you take will lead you closer to the promises of God. And so that is all I have for you today, folks. I pray that something that was said resonated with you, your situation, your spirit and lead you one step closer to Jesus if you are tuned in and have not yet committed your life to Jesus as your Lord and Savior my prayer for you is that today would be that day according to Romans 10 9 if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead you will be saved there's no better decision that will guarantee you the best possible life here on earth and when you leave this birth. After you've made this decision, I encourage you to find a good Bible-teaching church that will aid you to grow spiritually and become all that God has created you to be. For the ladies that are tuned in and are looking for a support system, please step with us at Beauty for Ashley global women's ministry for we offer a variety of ways that you can do just that from virtual small groups to monthly girl talk sessions conferences retreats and so much more visit our website today at www.beautyforashes-global.com for ways to connect and partner with us god bless you until we meet again thanks for listening to a word with dr shirley a platform for faith, inspiration, and empowerment. To connect with Dr. Shirley, follow her on Facebook or Instagram at Dr. Shirley Lefebvre or visit her website at www.drshirleyphd.com. God bless.